0: Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church.
1: God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. We were at war with God. We were a part of the resistance. We were insurgents, terrorists on his earth serving the devil, as unpopular and archaic as that sounds. And so God, through his son, had to protect us from his wrath because in His integrity, sin must be punished. And so rather than allow us to be punished, He sent His Son.
0: I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle Hello and welcome to the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so grateful that you've joined us today for the broadcast, and as we always do, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's study, our walk through the Book of Romans continues, as we hear a message that Pastor Keith has entitled, What is Salvation? So if you have your Bibles... Turn with us today to the book of Romans, chapter 5. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study.
1: says, not only that, referring to what we just read, but we rejoice in our suffering. Why? Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And Paul will go on to say that that hope does not disappoint. You see, now that we belong to him... Now we begin to make sense of our existence. Now we understand him. Now we are related to him. And we understand that our suffering is never wasted. That all things, as we'll talk about later on in Romans 8, truly do work together for good. And that there is a purpose for everything that happens in our lives. That's what the Bible helps us make sense of our existence. That's what Roman does. We rejoice in our suffering because our suffering is not wasted. It produces endurance. Patience. Perspective and endurance produces character. God preparing us for the next assignment that He's going to give us, strengthening our faith, exercising our faith, building into us a different mindset, a different ethic, as it were. And it says, and character produces hope. The benefit of peace with God is this privilege. That brings us into conflict with the world so that we can tell the world about him. And he gives us the strength to do in him that we could not do in our own flesh. He gives us the perspective, the character, and he gives us the hope. And it's not a hope like I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow or later today. It's the hope that is a certainty that we have a heavenly home because of what Christ has done for us in making peace with God for us. Suffering produces endurance. That is an enduring faith. And this endurance and faith produces a godly character that increases our usefulness to the kingdom. And all of this produces hope and trust and confidence in God. If he saved us, he can sustain us because of what he has done for us. Paul writes elsewhere, in Romans eight fourteen through 18. For we are all led by the Spirit of God. We, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons. By whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs and heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him. In order that we may be glorified with him. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Peace with God produces a whole different mindset, a whole different perspective. We are children, joint heirs with Christ. That peace with God that brings us access brings us enablement as we entreat and petition him for wisdom and strength. And he builds character into us so that he can use us for greater things. And we understand that our hardship and sufferings in this life are not wasted. And he uses us to begin to change the world because of this grace in which we stand, in which we stand firm, and this hope that we rejoice in the glory of God because we have reconciliation. Because we have peace with God. Ephesians 2.13 and 19 talks about the change that all this brings. That what peace with God accomplishes. Look with me now. But now in Christ you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Your family. You have access to Papa, Abba Father. That's what that means. Peace with God changes everything. Salvation changes everything. And He can use us then to change the lives of others around us. Salvation is peace with God. Which brings us to our second description. You say, what somebody says to you, well, what is salvation? Describe that to me. You say, Well, it's peace with God. But it's also this, number two, it is provision from God. It is provision from God. With peace, comes provision. We see provision mentioned implicitly and explicitly here in verse 5 in a number of ways. Watch this play out. Romans 5, 5. And hope does does not put us to shame, does not disappoint. Why? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That's provision. We have the love of God poured into us The agent for that is the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is provision. The Spirit of God indwelling us gives us the power and the ability to do in Christ what we could not do on our own. And the unlovable and the unloving become loving, transformed people. Look at the verbiage there. Look at the wording. Has been poured, that's provision, through the Holy Spirit, the provider and the provision, who has been given to us. We've done nothing to earn it. We've only received it because God has provided it in Christ. Jesus said in John's gospel, I will not leave you as orphans. I will send another helper of the same kind as I. The helper, the Holy Spirit, will lead you into all truth. He will be in you and with you forever. That's provision. He has provided us the Spirit. He has put his love in us. He has given us assurance that we have peace with God. Access to the Father. That's provision that's provision and why was provision necessary weren't we able to do this on our own no we weren't if God hadn't provided for us if God hadn't gone looking for us we would have never gone looking for him right we talked about this in, in uh, Romans 3 there's none righteous no not one there's none who seeks for God so God went seeking after us and where do we see this talked about also we see this in Romans 5 6 for while we were still weak At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's provision. While we were still weak, the word there in some translations is helpless. The idea is powerless. There's a a nuance there. There's a gloss there that says worthless. At the right time, Christ died for us. God provided his son to redeem us, to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, speaking of provision. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that, for the purpose of, that we might become the righteousness of God. Provision. God has done great things for us through his Son. Christ, God in the, in the flesh, Son of God, God the Son, has provided for us all we need. Even while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Why all this provision? Because we were unworthy and we needed the righteousness of Christ to be credited to our account. God looks at his righteousness and gives us pardon. We were unworthy. Where does it say we were unworthy? It says it in Romans 5, 7. Commenting on what has just gone on, he says, For because one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one might dare to die. Verse 8, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. That's provision. We weren't worth it. We were worthless, helpless, powerless, unwilling and unable to come to God as he talks about, Jesus talks about in John 6. And so God came after us. He came after us. He shows his love for us, his provision for us. He set his heart on us. And that while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God the Son who knew no sin, took the penalty of our sin on him. That's provision. Salvation is provision from God, by God. He provided a lamb just the way he provided a lamb for Abraham in place of Isaac. Christ is the lamb of God who died for our sin, the perfect sacrifice. And God looks on his righteousness and pardons us. That's what it is, provision. Salvation is peace with God. Salvation is provision by God, from God. And salvation, which if we think this through, particularly in our text, is protection from God. I want you to think about that because it goes both ways. Salvation is protection from God. What am I saying here? There's actually a play on words. We receive protection from God because God protects us from himself. Think about this. Who are you protected from? You're protected from God. The wrath of God is poured out from heaven against us because we suppress the truth and unrighteousness we ignore his grace we reject his gift we we break his law we sin against him and because he's a perfect loving and good God he is a just God who cannot allow people who commit murder people who who commit genocide people who sin the wages of sin is death he cannot let them off the hook a loving God is a just God and so when we break his law when we stick our finger, so to speak, in the eye of the Almighty, when, if we break a city ordinance, we can expect a ticket. We break a state law. We can expect jail, federal law, maybe death, international law, war. When you break the law of God, look out. You have declared war on the Almighty, and you need to be protected from him. And so we get grace, right? We get peace with God. We get provision from God, and we get protection from God. Jesus Christ dies in our place pays our sin debt because we were enemies of God. Where does it say that? Look at Romans 5.10. For while if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, now much more are we reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. You know, in Ephesians chapter 2, it says that we were children of wrath by nature, that we were opposed to God's plan, that we, we were... Following the course of this world of the prince of the power of the air, right? That's Satan. You see, you're either serving God or you're serving Satan. You're either, and this sounds a little radical, but I want you to think about this. You're either a Christian or a Satanist. There's no there's no neutrality here. You're either with God or opposed to God. You're either embracing the wisdom that comes from above Or the wisdom that is from below that is earthly, natural, and demonic. And so salvation is peace with God. Yes, provision from God. And certainly it is protection from God. Because our depraved thinking demands a penalty. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. Enemies of his kingdom. The wages of sin being death. No neutrality. You cannot serve two masters. Jesus teaches that in the Sermon on the Mount, right? You'll love one and hate the other. You'll neglect one. And so... We needed protection from God, and that comes through the reconciliation provided by Jesus Christ. Because a loving God is a just God. He's a God that has integrity. So we read this more than in Romans five eleven, more than that we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we now have received reconciliation. We were at war with God. We were a part of the resistance. We were insurgents, terrorists on his earth serving the devil as unpopular and archaic as that sounds. And so God, through his son, had to protect us from his wrath, because in his integrity, sin must be punished. And so rather than allow us to be punished, he sent his son to receive that punishment for him. I'll, I'll tell you a story that sort of describes that. There is a, <clears throat> there's the story of an ancient kingdom, and it was ruled by a very good and just king, but he was, he was a strict king. He wanted to preserve his society. He had laws that could not be broken. And if the law was broken, there would be punishment. There would be justice, right? One day, word went out that somebody had robbed his treasury. And everybody knew, ooh, you know, this is not good, you know. Uh, And so word went out that whoever did that would be punished. And everybody was waiting to see. And his men searched the countryside. They combed the kingdom. And then word went out that they found the stolen Articles from his treasury and his mother had stolen it. And everybody was like, you know, just took the air out of the kingdom. So it was announced that penalty would be delivered in the capital city and the town square. And everybody's like, there are some people who said, this is a good king. He's a righteous king. We know he's going to do this. This is terrible. Uh, There are others, naysayers, who said, yeah, we'll see about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not going to punish his mother. They're not going to punish anybody. He's going to. No, no, there's, there's not going to be justice. And so the day came and they set up his chair in the town square and the thousands of people came, the crowd was there, there was tremendous anticipation and sure enough, he came and he sat down in the chair, the executioner or punisher or whatever it is comes out with this tremendous whip, 13 lashes and then they bring out his mother and the king was no spring chicken and neither was she and they bring her out and they strap her to the whipping post. And they tear the back of her gown off. And the executioner draws that whip back. And at the last minute, the king goes, wait. And the people in the crowd, the naysayers, like, oh, yeah, okay, okay. And the crowd's like, well, what's going to happen? We know he's just king. We know that he's going to punish. He punishes any lawbreaker. The king stands up, takes off his robe, walks out, leans over his mother's back and says, proceed. Protection. Salvation is protection from God provided by God through Jesus Christ for you and for me Christ took the stroke like the king did in the story for his mother for you and I salvation is peace with God it is provision from God which is something we just described it is protection from God God's word says in Romans 10 9 and 10 if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. This is protection. John one twelve and 13 says this, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. That is a picture of what we receive. We receive protection when we put our trust in God. We are at peace with him. He has provided a substitute and we are protected from the wrath of God, even though we don't deserve it. It's a gift. Which brings us to our fourth description of salvation. Description number four, and that is this. Salvation is pro-offered by God. Now, there's a word, pro-offered. Pro-offer, a pro-offer is an offer made prior to any formal negotiations or sanctions. It can be a legal term. It's holding out to one party something for acceptance by the other party. And when there are two parties in conflict... And what we see here in Romans five six through eight and seventeen is that God offers us salvation. He offers salvation to anyone, anywhere, if they will embrace it. And we see this in Romans five six. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Verse eight. But God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Verse seventeen. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. He is the one mediator between God and us, and he has offered us salvation. We can't earn it. There's nothing for us to do. We can't buy it. We can't deserve it. It is a gift offered to us for our acceptance. Salvation is pro-offered by God. Here's an example of Jesus' offer from Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. There is the offer. There is the offer given for your acceptance prior to facing judgment, prior to the end of your life. Why would anyone turn this down? Why would anyone turn down peace with God? Why would anyone turn down provision from God? He offers it to all of us, no matter who we are, or where we've come from, or what we've done. And amazingly, some reject it. He offers relief for the weary from this wearying world. He offers rest for your souls in eternity. That's been the message from Genesis to Revelation. In fact, in Isaiah 45, 22, we read this. Watch this pro-offer. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. Salvation is pro-offered by God. Because there are no innocents, there are only perpetrators. There's none righteous, there's no not one. There's none who seeks for God, and so God seeks for us. And so salvation is, comes down to this. If you want a definition of salvation, it is the work of Christ applied to your account. It is the effort of Christ on the cross. It is what he accomplished for you. Bestowed upon you because you trusted him, not because of anything you did or deserved. And with his resurrection, you you pass from death into life through his resurrection power. How do we describe that? It entails peace with God, which only can be found in Jesus Christ. It involves provision from God. If God didn't provide it, we couldn't make it happen on our own. It includes protection from God. We're saved from his wrath through what Christ, God, the son has done for us. It means salvation if we accept his offer. That's what salvation is. And a quick question you have to ask and answer right now is, have you received that gift? If you died today and stood before God and he said, why should I let you into my kingdom? What would you tell him? I hope I've been good enough. Wrong answer. Well, God is love. He is love. But that's not the answer either because he's also just. It's that you have surrendered your soul, your will, your rights, your past, your present, your future to Jesus Christ did for you on the cross what you couldn't do for yourself, and through the power of his resurrection, has assured you an eternal home with him in heaven. So what do we do with all this? Well, in terms of application, we do this. Number one, uh, don't reject it, embrace it, okay? Number two, don't keep it a secret, explain it to others. Tell people about it. Equip yourself to explain the gospel. You, you now have something that you can tell people in the run-up to Easter, What is salvation? It's peace with God, provided by God, to protect us from the wrath that we deserve, the harm that we've done, the results of all of our sins. And it's offered to everybody. That's what salvation is. It's the chance to be made righteous so when God looks at Christ, he sees you and pardons you for your sin. It's the opportunity to live your purpose. Live your purpose. Be a real Christian who lives out their faith so that you could bring someone to faith in Christ and maybe build them to maturity. I want you to take what you've heard today and think how you might share it with somebody else and promise yourself that you'll share it with somebody between now and Easter. Use it to invite somebody to church. Do you want peace with God, provision from God? Do you want protection from God? Do you want eternal life? Come with me to church. Take what you've heard today. Figure out how you're going to use it and who you're going to use it on and be part of changing this world one soul at a time with the life-giving, eternity-changing message, hope-giving, healing, redeeming message of Jesus Christ because that's why we're here. We want to live our purpose. We want to abide in Christ. We want to follow his word. We want to let him do the heavy lifting and do the saving. But it says, how will they hear without a preacher? Blessed are the feet that bring the good news. Take what you've heard today, distill it down into your own words, and just share it with somebody. Teach what you know. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we think about the great gift that we have received, the peace, Father, with you, the the provision, Lord, the indwelling of the holy spirit and the empowerment to live out our faith to to trust you father we think about you putting your spirit in us and providing us with the guidance and the strength that we need the love that you've poured into our hearts through the holy spirit has been given to us and the protection that we have that we are no longer enemies but now children and if children heirs citizens of heaven father we just thank you for this great great and wonderful salvation and lord now we want to offer it to others as agents of the gospel as ministers of the gospel as ambassadors for christ oh god help us to do just that we pray this in jesus amen